The St Albans Film Guide with Simon Carver, hosted by Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide. Uh, Simon Carver is here with us. Hello, Simon. Hi, yeah. Hi. And uh, what we do is we look at Simon's choice of films on Free to Air TV for the forthcoming week, and um, and I throw in uh, some of my choices as well. But before we do that, we look at the new releases, uh, new film releases on the uh, streaming services Netflix and Amazon Prime. And I think we're going to start with Amazon Prime first. So, what have we got coming up this week? What we have coming up on Amazon Prime is, uh, well, one thing that we're going to talk about is called The Rental. stars um, Dan Stevens, uh, Downton Abbey's Dan Stevens, and Alison Brie, uh, Jeremy Allen White, and Sheila Vand. It is a a thriller, uh, sort of a thriller slash horror. Horror? No, perhaps not horror. Um, Two couples are on an oceanside getaway and they grow suspicious that the host of their perfect rental house may be spying on them. Before long, what should have been a celebratory weekend trip turns into something far more sinister as well-kept secrets are exposed and the four old friends come to see each other in a whole new light. Mmm. Yeah. Gets good reviews. Uh, And it's been listed as a horror on uh, IMDb, so your instinct was right on that one. Um, it's good to know. Uh, mm. Yeah. Also, this is um, written and directed by um, Dave Franco, who is, was in um, the what's the thing with the magicians? The sort yeah, of now, you magicians. now you see me. Yeah, yeah. He was in that, um, uh, and uh, yeah, he has uh, written and directed this film. I don't believe he's in it, but I think yeah, he according to this, he wrote it and he directed it. So that comes out on. Uh, Friday the 22nd of January and then we have um, we have two new releases on uh, Netflix Uh, so uh, and one of those is out on Friday as well and the other one the following Thursday yes the uh, the white tiger comes out on January 22nd it is uh, based on the award-winning novel by uh, Aravind Adiga it is called The White Tiger. Uh, it narrates the epic and darkly humorous rise from poor villager to successful entrepreneur in modern India of Balram. No, Balram Halwell uh, narrates. Or, no, probably narrates his own epic and humorous darkly rise. Or darkly humorous rise. He's cunning, ambitious, and he jockeys his way into becoming a driver for Ashok and Pinky, who've just returned from America. Society has trained Balram to be one thing, a servant, so he makes himself indispensable to his rich masters. But after a night of betrayal, he realises the corrupt lengths they'll go to trap him and save themselves. On the verge of losing everything, he rebels against a rigged and unequal system to rise up and become a new kind of master. It uh, was a New York Times bestseller and a 2008 Man Booker Prize-winning novel. Okay. And um, and in it, uh, I see it's got uh, Priyanka Chopra, who I was uh, I saw her in something the other day, and I cannot now think for the life of what it was I saw her in, but I remembered her name because she was also in uh, the Baywatch movie. So when I saw her in something the other day, I thought, ah, oh, she looks familiar, and I looked it up, and it was from the, the Baywatch film with um, Zac Efron and uh, The Rock. But uh, I can't think what it was I was watching the other day that she was in. But... but um, I'm looking down a list of her credits and I cannot see anything that I was watching the other day that she was in. 
She looks familiar, I have to say. Yeah. Um, but because she's a singer, isn't she as well? Uh, oh, okay. That wouldn't have been what what I saw her. No. How I saw her, I can't think what it would have been. I got a feeling it might have been a children's. Um, I seem to be watching a lot of those things these days, but it might have been a a, a, a children's um, movie, and that she was in that. It was. Uh, we can be heroes, which we mentioned um, a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The I remember mentioning that um, mm-hmm. film. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, she was in that, and uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's that, that's uh, the film, uh, The White Tiger, which is out Friday the twenty second of January on Netflix. And then the other Netflix release that we're talking about is called Penguin Bloom, which comes out on the twenty seventh of January. Indeed, um, it's set in twenty thirteen. Samantha Bloom, played by Naomi Watts, her husband Cameron, um, The Walking Dead's uh, Andrew Lincoln, and their three sons left their home in Australia for a holiday in Thailand. And while enjoying a view, Sam fell off a rooftop. Uh, fell onto a root. Fell off of a rooftop. Actually, off of. You should, really shouldn't put that down. That's very bad. Fell from a rooftop. Yeah, fell from. You shouldn't. We shouldn't have off of. I, I'll have to write to the. Amazon. That's Netflix. No, that was Netflix. That was Netflix, was it? I write to Netflix. I'm not having that. Um, Due to what was later determined to be a rotted railing, and he broke uh, his vertebra. Broke her vertebra. She broke her vertebra in two places. She's paralysed from the chest down, and uh, she was a lifelong outdoors woman, surfer and traveller, unrecognisable to herself, and spent long months in depression that made her question who she could be in the world and in her own family. A year later, her children brought home a wounded baby magpie they found. Warily eyeing the black and white bird, the kids affectionately named Penguin, Sam bonded with the household's new member, beginning a process of emotional healing that surprised her husband and sons. Uh, Her mother, played by Jackie Weaver, and herself. It tells the amazing true story of renewal that occurred when a woman whose life seemed shattered found hope and purpose in her family love and in a bird on its own journey of recovery. It sounds pretty awful, but apparently it's quite good. Okay. <laughs> I think. Actually, did I look it up? I'm not sure I did look this one up, to be honest. I think it was uh, the others I looked up. It's not got the highest of ratings on IMDb. Um, 5.8, which is a bit on the low side, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah. Um, but an interesting cast, you know, Andrew Lincoln, Naomi Watts, um, you know, they're, they're, they're both quite good, so... Um, doesn't mean to say that this is necessarily any good because you know like everyone needs to pay the bills so, so they what, what they're given yeah but uh, anyway that's um, that's the film that's out on the 27th of January Penguin Bloom uh, also on Netflix when we return in just a moment we'll be looking at our choice of films on free to air TV for the forthcoming week Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com.
Uh, welcome back to the St. Albans Film Guide. Uh, we're going to be looking now at uh, films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. Uh, Simon and I have gone through the listings and we've picked out the ones that we think are worth your while this week. Uh, we're going to start off uh, with Simon's first choice on Friday the 22nd of January, 11.05pm, Sony Movies Action, a classic cop movie if ever there were one, The French Connection. Yeah, there's a few movies this week that seem to be coming up as choices quite regularly and I'm afraid this is one of them I say I'm afraid I mean it is a good film uh, but it's slightly unoriginal choosing it uh, directed by William Friedkin it's uh, known for its documentary style realism it uh, stars Gene Hackman as this cop Popeye Doyle Fernando Ray is the suave French drugs overlord and it is uh, Roy Scheider's in there as well, of course, as well. So it's it's a sort of sleazy at times, showing the underbelly of New York, but also it's got some great action sequences as well. So um, yeah, it's very good, and it's sort of based on real life drugs busts of the time. Yeah, wasn't it inspired by an article about? Uh, drugs and uh, I think it's something like that wasn't it the, 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 the premise of this I think there was a there was an an article in a New York was it the New York Times possibly or something like that and the it was the inspiration for the writer for this uh, for this movie I thought it was inspired by a clothes shop but you know it could be wrong <laughs> very good uh, I watched um, a film a couple of days ago that was from the same era as this it was about a year later called Across 110th Street I don't no, know I don't know that at all, familiar with it at all. No. Um, but this was um, uh, it's also set in New York and, and is, is something of a, an underrated um, uh, sort of crime film of its time it was somewhat black exploitation because it was set across 110th Street 110th Street apparently in New York is the border for where Harlem at the edge of Harlem Mm. So, so as soon as you stray across 110th Street, you've entered into Harlem, oh, yeah. and uh, and the, the 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 premise of that film was about um, uh, the um, bl- black criminals were working with um, ma- the mafia in New York, and uh, somebody rips off their um, their their room that they were using in Harlem, where they were storing all their money, and runs off with hundred thousand dollars, and so suddenly you've got the mafia and the the, the, the the black syndicate or whatever it was called like trying to work out who it was who ripped them off but at the same time you've got two cops trying to work it out and it was Anthony Quinn and Yafet Koto and it was oh, very um, it, it, it was considered to be quite an influential film however it's one that not many people have heard of and it's hardly ever shown on TV but but it was it was to me it was quite reminiscent of the French connection it was using a lot of the same locations and it had that that gritty realism to it as well um, but 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 not as good, I would have said, as the French Connection, which clearly was an inspiration for the film I saw because that came out a year before. Um, but but yeah, the French Connection, Sony Movies Action, eleven oh five p.m. on uh, Friday, the twenty second of January. And uh, my choice for Friday, the twenty second of January, um, which is on uh, earlier in the day, four fifty five p.m. on Sony Movies, is the first of I think three appearances this week. Of Michelle Pfeiffer, who seems to be all over movies this this week, um, oh, really? and uh, and this is one called "I Could I Could Never Be Your Woman" from two thousand and seven, and it's an interesting movie because it's it's quite good because of the stars in it, 
if it didn't have the the, the it, it basically it's Michelle Pfeiffer and Paul Rudd and um, Tracy Ullman's in there as well and Saoirse Ronan is in I believe it's her first role uh, playing Michelle Pfeiffer's daughter but if it wasn't for the caliber of the actors in it mm-hmm. this would have just been this would have vanished without trace um, because it's it's a bit mediocre um, but anyway the, the premise is a divorced TV producer finds romance in the arms of a younger actor but the difference in their ages leaves her anxious the relationship cannot last meanwhile her daughter has feelings for a boy she meets and tries to work out whether she has fallen in love for the first time and um, it, w- one of the things that's interesting about this and it's why I picked it is almost all of the supporting cast are English all playing American and they're all people you, you think oh I recognise that person so like David Mitchell's in it um, Sarah Alexander who's a British sort of comedy actress she's in it Graham Norton is in it in, in a small part and it's so many English people and then you sort of think why would that be and it's because they filmed it in England so it's set in America but mm. it was actually filmed at Pinewood so it's got an awful lot of English people in, in supporting roles in this movie alright but David Mitchell and Michelle Pfeiffer in the same film <laughs> seems a bit weird, but or, or Graham Norton for that, or, or indeed yeah. Graham Norton. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but one of the other things that's sort of in a way doesn't work, but it doesn't really take away from the enjoyment of the movie because it's quite a good rom com. It's you know as these things go, it's it's quite it's quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But you've got to you've got to <clears> believe <throat> that Michelle Pfeiffer's character is forty, and at mm-hmm. the time she the film was made, she was nearly fifty. Um, you've got to believe that Paul Rudd's character is in his late 20s when he was 40 when he made it and the, the, she's a TV she's a producer and she's working on a on a teenage TV program oh, right. or some teen, and all the actors in it are all older but playing teenagers which is part of the thing and Paul Rudd is one of the actors in it who you're supposed to believe he's 29 but playing a teenager in, in the series within the film and yet in real life in real life he was yeah a lot uh, yeah I think he was about 40 when he made this and 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 yet he was one of the other um, kids in the thing was even older than him she was in her early 40s she was a teenager in the film Clueless in the 90s with Alicia Silverstone and and so yeah so if you can get beyond the fact that you've got all these middle aged people playing actors who are playing teenagers it, it it's quite it's quite good but um, so what channel's that on? <laughs> Sony Movies on Friday the it. it sounds in- it's piqued your interest has it? it has piqued my interest yes one of the quite funny scenes is as they're about to shoot a scene of these teenagers in I don't know going to the beach I think it was that they suddenly had to get somebody on set to spray on all their abs and they all suddenly like lifted their shirts and they had like a template thing and they spray painted abs onto each of them alright so that you know they look more ripped than they they really were they were yeah, I'm thinking of doing something similar myself. So. Yeah, bigger, plenty of paint. Um, so Sony Movies, what time? I just need to <laughs> just need to set my timer for it. You know, we, we list this in in the in the episode for the for, for each podcast. But uh, but yeah, four fifty five p.m. on Friday the twenty second of January on Sony Movies. Right. I could never be your woman. Mm. Something we've we've mentioned before on on, on the uh, the film show is is how unfair Hollywood is toward women in movies. And and something that has happened on a few instances, and it's happened again with this movie, is you get an older actress who at one point in a younger actor's career can play their love interest and then a few movies on become their parent. 
that um, there's an early Tom Hanks film where Sally Field is his love interest. And then in Forrest Gump, she's his mother. And uh, and then and then with with Michelle Pfeiffer and Paul Rudd, their love interests in this movie, albeit one with an admitted age difference, but but their love interests. And there's in in the movie, there's about ten years between them, and, and in real life, I don't know, probably similar. Uh, but then in the Ant Man movies, Michelle Pfeiffer plays the mother of his love interest. Right. So it just I don't know. It just seems it's just it, it seems like women age a lot more than men do in in Hollywood land. Although, of course, we do have Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, don't we? Whose gap between those wasn't as much as... Um... No, that was only about 10 years where they played father and son, but they never played. They, they were never formally a love interest, I don't believe, in a movie. No. I could be wrong. No, but the fact they played father and son and there was only 10 years between them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, reasonable point. Yeah, but I know yeah. what you mean. That's, you have to sort of search hard to think of those examples. Yeah, and it like and it does seem particularly unfair for 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 a female actor to be able to be considered to be young enough to play somebody's love interest. Then a few years later, that same actor, you could the only part you could get is to play their their mum. Mm. Yeah, because they do age at the same rate. It's you know I was being flippant earlier, but mm. anyway, let's move on to Saturday the twenty third of January nine pm on More Four. Night will fall. Yeah, this is the date of this is twenty fourteen, but. It- what it actually is is a film that was made after the Second World War. It, a documentary film called uh, Death Mills. It was. Th- this is like the sort of the, um, the making of type of thing. The idea is that after the Second World War, the, the Allied forces went into Germany and Eastern Europe and found. The most appalling scenes in the concentration camps and they were t- film directors were sent in to film it um, in- including Alfred Hitchcock and uh, they, they started to make this film but it was abandoned because the idea was originally that they were going to confront the German people with the crimes that had been committed in their name but they then thought this probably wouldn't be terribly productive and so they uh, just they sort of binned it but this is the the footage um, having been uh, tidied up etc and also a bit about the the making of sort of thing uh, so it's a slightly unusual thing um, uh, sort of making of type of thing but if you're interested in uh, sort of docu- early documentaries then this will be one to watch. That's quite fascinating. Mm. That's uh, Night Will Fall, which is on 9pm uh, on More 4 on Saturday the 23rd of January. So uh, my choice on Saturday the 23rd of January, also at 9pm, but over on Five Star, is our second appearance from Michelle Pfeiffer for the week. Uh, and this is What Lies Beneath. Uh, a doctor's wife recovering from a car accident is troubled by terrifying visions of a ghostly girl who seems to be asking for help from beyond the grave. While her husband thinks the experiences are the result of her recent trauma, a psychiatrist urges her to communicate with the spirit. Because, of course, that's what they do. Mm. Um, and, yeah, supernatural thriller starring Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford. And this was a movie a bit like the other one I mentioned that I think if it wasn't for the sort of the top draw cast this would have sunk without trace because I don't think the story is particularly original 
you know it, and and it's just a bit of a you know bit, bit, just a bit of a horror film that that you know where where somebody's being haunted and you know it would appear that the person that might be haunting them could well be trying to help them solve their murder um and and you know that's been done an awful lot of times before but having two people that were sort of top of the hollywood a-list at the time the film was made in it elevates it somewhat and then yeah. furthermore it was directed by robert zemeckis who who is you know quite the filmmaker so i think that putting the three of them together they turned what was probably a mediocre script into quite an interesting movie but it's i don't know if, if you've seen this but it's got a lot of um I think it's got a lot of cliches from from horror movies. Mm. It's as if Robert Zemeckis has studied horror movies really hard and picked out all the bits that make them work, and he's put all of them into this movie. Um, but but it's just it just stops short of being parody the way it's done. Like like there's a bit where Michelle Pfeiffer's character goes into her uh, bathroom cabinet. And you can see in the reflection of the mirror that there's no one behind her. She opens the cabinet door to get something out. And you just know that as she closes it, yeah. there's going to be someone behind her. And it's all those sorts of cliches. All the you know, fridge door opens again. There's nobody the other side of the fridge door. As, and then it opens. And then as it closes, there's someone there. And it it's that kind of thing all the way through this movie. Mm-hmm. But it, it just manages to stop short of being a cliche. Um, and it just feels more like an homage to more classic horror movies of years gone by and thrillers and feels a bit like a, a nod to Hitchcock here and there and things like that yes but, it's, uh, a, it's a, a difficult line to to walk that one because yeah you know in, in sort of any sort of films that involve horror yeah that thing with the bathroom cabinet is just such a cliche I mean it, 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 it only works when you when they close it and there isn't anyone there still um, I think you know when they when they sort of undermine that cliche uh, but you know it's like when they walk into a room but they're not looking in the direction that they're traveling they're looking over their their shoulder and then they turn mm. you just know they're gonna walk right into whatever they're hiding from yeah. you know that yeah. it's those sorts of things however this movie does manage to balance that line and it kind of just stays this side of it all right so uh, so and Take what it what right. it so what it gives us is a really good supernatural thriller and and yeah great performances from from uh, michelle pfeiffer and harrison ford and uh, and yeah re- real creepy film from director robert zemeckis that's what lies beneath saturday the 23rd of january 9 p.m on five star and we move to sunday the 24th of january 1 20 p.m on channel 5 johnny english reborn yeah i think this is the second of the johnny english films rowan atkinson uh, is back as the spy who is oblivious to his own incompetence. He's been lured out of retirement by his former bosses, MI7, to hunt down an international group of assassins who are plotting to kill the Chinese Premier. I, I think one of the things that makes these entertaining is the fact that they're played pretty straight by all the other characters. Uh, Gillian Anderson and Dominic West who you know pretty impressive actors are the co-stars in this um and i i think personally this is he's funnier as johnny english than he is as mr bean but i know a lot of people really like mr bean and the sort of the the silent comedy style of things and there are some elements of mr bean that i think are funny but yeah this this sort of sw- the soir so 
try, desperately trying to be suave, um, urbane, uh, spy. I, I think it's quite a funny turn. And, and I think, I'm not sure in this one, but maybe in the third film, but there were some wonderful bits that could have been lifted straight out of a, a 60s or 70s Bond film. Uh, the, 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 the music... Um, driving along the coast road of somewhere exotic in an open-top car and all that sort of stuff. Um, they capture that perfectly. I mean, a bit like what you were saying with the, um, the Michelle Pfeiffer film before, that, that this is, in a sense, also an homage to uh, the Bond series, as well as being quite funny, whereas the last one wasn't intended to be. This is a parody, whereas um, the Michelle Pfeiffer one wasn't, but... Yeah. Anyway, I, I think it's it it tickles my funny bone. Okay. A base of course on a, a character that he created for uh, Barclay yeah. Card, wasn't it? Back uh, in the eighties. Yeah. I mean, it's just these little one-minute films that he was making for Barclay Card. You know, falling out of boats and dropping things and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. It, it, and and it does show as well. I mean, he's great. Uh, he's a great um, talent, uh, Rowan Atkinson, and. Uh, and yeah, he, you know, to, to be able to turn a, a small character from a series of, of credit card adverts from the, the 80s and early 90s, and mm. and he's made three movies out of this so far. Mm. And, uh, I think there might be another one in the pipeline somewhere. But uh, also one of them, I think it was the first one, was um, part of it was filmed in St. Albans. The um, uh, it, yeah, it was the first the first Johnny English film with Natalie Imbruglia in it. Uh, they they couldn't get permission to film inside of Westminster Abbey, so they filmed in in our Abbey instead, and and said it was Westminster Abbey. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the film crews had t- took over for about a week. And uh, in the the what they call the Abbey Orchard, the big bit of grass in front of the the Abbey, um, which they call oh, found it weird that locally they call that the Abbey Orchard. There's hardly any trees in it, but um, but in that it was just loads of uh, film trailers and, and and massive marquees and stuff for for about a week or two mm-hmm. while uh, while they were filming in there. But uh, I'm sure there's probably locals that might have made it as an extra in the background oh, or something. Oh yeah, 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 dined out on that. But anyway, that's uh, that's that's not the film that uh, that was set in St Albans. The one that Simon's recommended. It it is its sequel, Johnny English Reborn, one twenty p.m. on Channel Five. And these are quite, and I'm guessing partly because of the time of day. But these are quite kind of family friendly films as well, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. There's nothing They're quite gentle and yeah. There's there's nothing to frighten the horses in these. I don't think. Right or children, or indeed children. Yeah. Yeah. More importantly. Okay, that's Johnny English Reborn, 1.20pm on Channel 5, Sunday the 24th of January. At 9pm on uh, the Horror Channel on Sunday the 24th of January. Not quite sure why this is on the Horror Channel, because it's not a horror by any stretch. Um, But it's the sci-fi movie Serenity, one of my all-time favourites. I I make no apologies for choosing it once again. Uh, But this is... a, a, a continuation of the of a TV series called Firefly. Uh, it stars Nathan Fillion uh, and Morena um, Baccarin, who is in a movie that I think we're talking about in a couple of weeks' time. That's coming up. Uh, she's she's the star of a forthcoming movie. She's been in a few things since, but also in here playing the villain of the piece uh, is Chiwetel Ejiofor. Uh, just before he became quite well known, I think this would have been about five years before Twelve Years a Slave. Uh... Okay. 2005 this came out yeah I got 2000 got fit 12 years a slave would that be 8 years ago I don't know can't remember now 2013 so yeah 
Mm. Yeah, well done. Well done. Um, so, and, in, and indeed, eight years after this then. Mm. Um, so, yes, yeah, Serenity. And, and the story is a group of interplanetary smugglers is pursued by a government assassin, played by Juwita Legiafor, searching for a teenage girl who has taken shelter on board their spaceship. Gifted with extraordinary telepathic powers, she has uncovered a secret that threatens the political stability of the universe. And the ruling forces will stop at nothing to ensure it stays buried. And aside from being a big fan of the TV series, I just think it's got a great story. I think it's it's a real sort of um, rip roaring action adventure. You know, you, 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 it, it, the pace of it, I think, is 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 f- wonderful. You don't have to have seen any of the TV series. They do a bit in the first sort of five minutes that gives a summary of everything that you would have known from the TV series, which which was incredibly short lived anyway. There were only fourteen episodes, so there wasn't like a lot of history about about this beforehand, but. Um, yeah, a great movie, and and quite. And I saw a documentary about the making of it, and it was quite fascinating how it came to be because the TV series was so unsuccessful when it came out that they didn't even show all of the episodes that they filmed. They only showed, I think, there were two that they didn't even bother showing on television because the ratings were so poor. Um, but then the DVD sales went through the roof and uh, 20th Century Fox who own it suddenly saw in a report on DVD sales they said what's this this Firefly thing that seems to be selling so well and um, and from that they, they commissioned the movie and it was written and directed by Joss Whedon who then went on to greatness with the Avengers movies but also was the guy behind Buffy the Vampire Slayer and that was his lots of other that was the main thing I think he yeah. was known for before he went on to the Avengers yeah yeah, and and yeah, it's it's very it's it's got a very sharp, funny script. It's very well directed, and and they did a lot with little because I, I gather the budget was quite small on this compared to what a, a, a sci-fi movie would normally cost. But they used they used their money really well, and you wouldn't think it looks cheap. It's it, it works incredibly well, uh, and, and yeah, very well written, um, quite funny, and and good thrilling action adventure. Um, so yeah thoroughly recommend it Sunday the 24th of January 9pm Serenity have you um, you've seen it I've seen the film I, I have actually got the DVDs the box set of the TV series but um, did someone lend them to you you just haven't given no, them no I've got I've yeah, given it to for a Christmas or a birthday or or maybe I saw the film and thought I'd like to see the TV thing and I, I never just got around to botching it I don't think really but uh, well, you've got, you've got time. You said, yeah. you said off air you were running out of stuff to watch. So. That's true. That is true. And it's a short, it's a short investment. You yeah. Fourteen episodes will fly by. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, very good. Well worth watching. That's uh, Serenity uh, on uh, nine pm on the Horror Channel. Strangely enough, uh, on Sunday the twenty fourth of January. So let's move to Monday the twenty fifth of January, and Simon has chosen nine pm on the Paramount Network, The Perfect Storm. Yeah, but this is um, the, the idea of the perfect storm has become uh, a bit of a cliche now for when you know lots of things come together to create a bad situation. Um, but there was a genuine perfect storm that this film talks about. It uh, it happened to uh, it involved um, a fishing boat off the coast of North America. And uh, that this is a dramatised version of that. It stars George Clooney and uh, Mark Wahlberg. And it's directed by Wolfgang Peterson, who also made a film under the sea, Das Boot. Um, yeah. 
it's is it is fairly uh, extraordinary um, to look at. It is pretty amazing. It's visually quite stunning. Um, yeah, yeah, and it, it yes, it's it's. The, I mean, the the waves that they faced are just horrific. Hmm. Did the um? Do you think the phrase "the perfect storm" predated the movie, or, or has it come about because of the movie? I think it must have predated the movie. I can't believe it's only 20 years old. Yeah, I would, I would be, it's, I mean, it's just the way you said that. It suddenly made me think, has, has the, um, no, it must be, uh, no, it, it, mu- it must predate the movie. It would not, I don't think it, it would have entered into our uh, language the way it has if, if it, if it didn't. Not in that time, but but yeah, good, great great cast in this. Um, as you said, uh, George Clooney, and Mark Wahlberg, John C. Riley's in there as well. Um, uh, we've got um, Diane Lane, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Uh, quite quite an impressive cast. Uh, but yeah, you know, such a such a such a powerful film, and and yeah, based on a true story, which which always um, kind of uh, you know gives some of these things a degree of gravitas. But that's uh, that's the perfect storm. You look like you're googling something. There. You, you you're looking at the origin of the phrase. I, I was, but then you came up with it as well. So yeah. Which? Well, I thought you it, 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 didn't. You say that it was that it predated it, or, or was that? Well, I guessed it. Did. Oh, I see. I okay. guessed it did. Right. It does predate it, does it? And it, I stopped when I when you when you said that it predated it, but oh, I wouldn't listen to me. Yeah, no, I, but, I should have learned, shouldn't I? But um, yeah. Mm. Okay. Anyway, the perfect storm, uh, nine p.m. on the Paramount Network on Monday, the twenty-fifth of January, uh, and then we come to my choice for Monday, and this is my third appearance by Michelle Pfeiffer this week, um, and the, it's the movie Stardust from 2007 a young shop assistant in victorian england enters a magical parallel world in search of a fallen star to give to the girl of his dreams however the star in question is in fact a beautiful woman who he helps flee from a wicked witch and a murderous prince family adventure a fantasy adventure although probably is a family one as well based on neil gaiman's novel with charlie cox uh, from daredevil of course uh, and and the um, the theory of everything uh, Claire Danes, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Robert De Niro, Mark Strong, uh, Sienna Miller, Ian McKellen, and um, Ricky Gervais. So quite a quite a cast in this, and this has very much had a, a feel of other fantasies of the time. There was something a little bit uh, of of you know Lord of the Rings and the Narnia films that that were around back then, um, but but this felt like it was trying to be very much a British version of those things. And, and again, part of this was filmed quite locally. I think it was in Ashridge Forest, um, which is just near Berkhamsted, was where it was used as a location for, for this movie. But, uh, but qu- quite funny. Um, it was scripted by Jonathan Ross's wife, uh, Jane Goldman, who has gone on to do quite a lot of, um, uh, lo- a lot of movies. And, and also, it was, I don't have it in front of me, but the director of it, I believe, was Matthew Vaughan, who used to work with Guy Ritchie and he's worked and, with and Jake believe- Goldman before hasn't he yes yeah, so, yes they've done a few films together this might have been one of their first together um, but but uh, but yeah it works well wasn't um, Kick-Ass that was that was yeah. Matthew Vaughan wasn't it and Jane, Jane Goldman had- 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, this this is uh, I, I think it's really good, really good fantasy adventure if you like that sort of thing. Um, do you, have you seen this film? No, it's not my cup of tea, I'm afraid. No, even though some of it's filmed locally, still filmed <laughs> locally. No, I mean I could film something in my front room, and uh, you know, wouldn't necessarily be something I want to go to the cinema to watch or turn the telly on. The local aspect of it. Does that really make a difference? I don't know. Perhaps it I don't does. Know. I think it depends upon where you're from. Because if you, I guess, if you live in London, everything's filmed there, so you see London all the time. But if you if you live somewhere else, and it's not often that that somewhere that you live is featured in some way, then maybe that's more interesting. I suppose. But yeah, I don't recall recognising any setting in it as being local. And I, and, and I've been to Ashridge Forest quite a few times. I didn't recognise it in the movie mm. at all. But but I I believe them when they say that they did film part of it there. But why would they lie? Mm. Um, but uh, but anyway, it's uh, it's a good film. There's some great performances in there. You know, great cameo from Robert De Niro um, and uh, yeah, Ricky Gervais. Not quite as annoying as he can be. Was 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 you know amusing ish. Mm. Yeah, good. <laughs> so anyway, that's Stardust. Uh, Six twenty five pm. And also, oh, it's where the song. Um, uh, to take that song, uh, Rule the World came from this movie as well. Okay. Oh, well, that, I can't they, Yeah. And the, the video that they had for the mo- for, for the song featured footage from the movie. Because whenever I see Stardust uh, being on, I always think that it's going to be the film with... Um... <laughs> oh, David Essex. David Essex, but it never is. It's always this blessed film instead. <laughs> Okay, well, the David Essex one, that old, I know really, something about motorbikes in the 1970s. Yeah, probably, yeah. But it's, Is that all you need I to know? I just remember it's being... It's, it's the sort of film that... I mean, he was a big star very briefly. And then... Yeah, yeah and then he wasn't... But he did two movies, didn't he? Back in, yeah. back in the day. Back in the day and this. Yeah. And wasn't... Was Stardust the sequel to That'll Be The Day? Might have been. Yeah, it might have been. Yes, well, he played the same character name in both, so I would have said so. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was at uh, a time where there were lots of uh, things on TV, and perhaps not. Well, I say lots of things. I'm thinking of Happy Days, which, which set back in the in the in the fifties, but maybe down in the seventies, maybe in the seventies and eighties, sort of thing. American Graffiti would be another one. Yeah, yeah, that's um, it. But I've just seen a poster here for, for the Stardust that you're talking about, starring David Essex, Adam Faith, and Larry Hagman. Great. He, Larry Hagman. Got everything. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been before JR. Yeah. I when guess. he was doing G- I Dream of Genie. Right. Yeah, do, you remember, do you know? No, you don't know that. I know of the series. I, 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 I think. Yeah, the, don't really remember. The Genie's wife, husband. Mm. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that's that's uh, Monday taken care of. Let's move on to Tuesday now, the 26th of January. And Simon has chosen 9 p.m. on Film 4. I hadn't heard of this film, and so I went and watched the trailer just before. Um, but and it, 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 sounds, it sounds really funny. Um, yeah. American Animals, 9 p.m. on Film 4. Yeah. Uh, it strikes a miraculous balance, it says here, between the documentary grit that um, Bart... Leighton, the director, is acclaimed for, and the classic comedy heist thriller. 
Um, it's set in 2004. Four Kentucky college kids look for excitement in their boring lives and decide to rob their university library of its collection of rare books, including a priceless Darwin volume. Their bizarre preparation for the daring theft is to watch Quentin Tarantino, Jules Dassin and Michael Mann movies. Um, and it says what could possibly go wrong and what on earth made them think they could get away with it. The cleverest move in this outstanding blurring of fact fiction and celluloid dreaming has the conflicting accounts of the four amateur crooks blended with their real-life convicted adult counterparts speaking in the present day with sobering hindsight. A truly unique, constantly amusing and engrossing entry in the criminal caper Hall of Fame. I thought it sounded great. It, it did. It, it sounded really, uh, yeah, it's a really good description for a movie. And, and yeah, I, I went and found the trailer for it and watched it. And yeah, looks quite good. So there you go. I'm going to put that on my list for the week. So that's uh, American Animals that Simon has chosen. 9 p.m. on Film 4 on Tuesday, the 26th of January. Uh, I've gone um, to the oldest film of the week by quite a long, long way. This is... 81 years old this movie and it's His Girl Friday which is on Tuesday the 26th of January 12.50pm on Film 4 uh, the great comedy about a, a conniving newspaper editor is horrified to learn that his ex-wife who also happens to be his best reporter and how she's planning to remarry determined to keep her on his staff he comes up with the one thing he knows she cannot resist a big story meanwhile he arranges it so that her fiancé has a run of misfortune comedy starring uh, Carrie Grant Rosalind Russell and Ralph Bellamy is uh, directed by Howard Hawks I believe and uh, and it's just it's one of these movies and Carrie Grant did a, did a few of them where it's that you know you almost wonder when they breathe they spoke so fast and that the humor was so razor sharp and and you, you know you almost had to sort of concentrate to keep up with the speed with which they were bantering throughout the uh, the movie um, it's been remade a few times. It was um, based on a, I believe it was based on a play called The Front Page and has been remade a few times using the, the name The Front Page. I think Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon might have done a version of it. Uh, that sounds very familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, they did in the 70s. Uh, they, they, they did a version of, of, of this film. Um, and... Uh, yeah, although I guess with theirs it wasn't so much of a romance thing, um, but uh, anyway, um, it was yeah they did it in the seventies, and then in the eighties there was a, a movie called Switching Channels, where they'd updated it from new, a newspaper to a television net, network, and it was uh, Burt Reynolds and Kathleen Turner and Christopher Reeve, and that was quite funny. Um, so, uh, but yeah, this is the I was going to say the original, but this isn't even the first adaptation. There was an adaptation a few years before. Of, of the same um, play, uh, but th- but this is probably the, the most famous old version of this, which is uh, the Cary Grant movie, His Girl Friday. Um, do you recall ever seeing this one? I don't know. No, it doesn't ring any bells. Okay. It's uh, yeah, it's one of my favourite. This and the Philadelphia Story, I think, are two of my favourite old-time comedies from that kind of era, and I think they were both the same year, and they were both uh, Cary Grant. But anyway, that's His Girl Friday, 12.50pm on Film 4, Tuesday the 26th of January. Let's move to Wednesday the 27th, and uh, Simon has chosen 10.50pm on Film 4, Heat. Yeah, again, I feel slightly embarrassed choosing this because, you know, it. we've chosen it before. I mean, it is a very good film. 
It stars Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, who I think for that I can't remember now if they actually meet or not in the film. Um, but they, there's there's two or three scenes like yeah, like just not, not shot within scenes where, where they're both on screen at the same time, and and so yeah, it, it led people to think for many years that they never actually met on on stage, you know, on, on set at all. But there there are three shots in the movie where they're both in in, in it at the same time. It, um, Al Pacino plays a cop, uh, Robert De Niro plays a robber, and it's I mean that's sort of all you need to know, and it's it's their sort of. Um, they're battling it out between them, um, both at the top of their game, really. Lo- lots of good chases, um, and it's yeah, it's very tense. And uh, and the, the actors are, were at the top of their game at the time, mid nineties. And yeah, so it's a yeah. It, it I think it's quite interesting. It's following on from American Animals, where the 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 real life characters in that based their planning for their crime on a Michael Michael Mann films and here we have just the sort of Michael Mann film that they would have been thinking about uh, in in heat yeah yeah no I wonder an epic uh, movie um, yeah truly truly um, amazing film with, with everything about it just right the directing the the, 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 the writing the performances from and it's not just De Niro and Pacino you know there are, there are other really good performances in this as well uh, Val Kilmer's quite good um, which which is not often said no but uh, but he he, he he managed to, uh, to to throw out a good performance as well in this but um, it, uh, it did you know though that this is indeed a, a remake of an earlier Michael Mann film oh I think I remember you saying this before um, yes yeah, so, but about six years before, he did a TV movie called uh, "L.A. Takedown," and it was uh, and this is and it's exactly the same storyline. And this was the big screen remake of it. And and I've just got, found that I've got that on my screen here. It says, "Tough Los Angeles cop uh, Vincent Hanna takes on a gang of professional bank robbers led by the precise, enigmatic Patrick McLaren." Now I don't know if the, the names of the characters are the same, but certainly the storyline is and was it in, um, wasn't it in turn based on a um, um, uh, a, 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 an Asian film have I imagined that uh, I don't know You, uh, I wasn't aware of that I, I may have imagined it maybe think of something else altogether yeah. So this was going. So so LA Takedown was actually going to be a pilot for a TV series, but it never got made into a TV series. And uh, and it says here that uh, Michael Mann had been working on it since the early eighties. So so uh, yeah, Michael Mann wrote and directed LA Takedown and then reworked it into the film Heat. Um, so yeah, he'd worked both of this, and he, he was known at that time for the TV series Miami Vice that he had, that he sort of created and produced, or, or something like that. Um, but but yeah, he w- excellent, excellent movie, and um, quite long, but worth it. Mm. Uh, Nearly three hours, isn't so, it? So yeah, well, not according to your timings. No, it's not, is it? You don't think that's 10.50 to 2.10 a.m.? That would make more sense. Yeah, I think that must be right. I think it must be 2.10. Yeah, because otherwise that's just over an hour long. Um, yeah. It says here, two hours, 50 minutes long is the runtime for heat. There so, you go. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's over three hours. It's three hours twenty minutes with adverts. Yeah, but worth it. That's um, yeah, ten fifty p.m. on uh, film four on Wednesday the twenty seventh of January. Uh, at ten o'clock on ITV four on Wednesday the twenty seventh, uh, I have chosen, and, and you'll you'll be pleased there finally a film without Michelle Pfeiffer in it, um, and it is Mad Max two. Now, the, the Mad Max films, the, the, the first one was was very low budget, starring uh, an unknown Mel Gibson and was hugely successful, which, of course, led on to there being a sequel. And, and I think that the, the Mad Max series of films have a, um, a quite a unique characteristic that I believe that every one is better than the last one. And as good as the first one was, I think the second one surpassed it in, in just about every way. I think the third one surpassed that. And there, there are not many people who, who don't think that the, the recent one wasn't one of the finest films in years, except for you, who couldn't stand it. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I wasn't um, wasn't a big fan. Did you not describe it as, as uh, it was all about how they drove a truck all the way somewhere and then drove it all the way back again? That is very true. I did describe it like that. And that's exactly what happened, of course. It, it kind of is, but it was entertaining for some. But anyway, in Mad Max 2, uh, a former cop haunted by his tragic past roams the wasteland of Australia in the aftermath of a nuclear war. He arrives at a besieged settlement and grudgingly helps protect the residents from a horde of marauding bikers who want to get hold of their valuable supply of petrol. Uh, and um, yeah, early 80s... Um, action fair there from uh, Mel Gibson once again and all of the Mad Max films were all written and directed by George Miller um, I was going to say Arthur Miller that's a different person but George Miller and and I guess that's possibly partly why there, there's a good amount of continuity in them even in the, the recent one it was it was established that that Tom Hardy it wasn't a reboot of the character he it was a continuation that there were there was a bit where you saw him with his adjusting his leg brace and he got a leg brace in one of the earlier movies because he got his kneecap shot or something like that. And I think it might have even been in this movie where, where that happened. So that they had things where they were continuing the the character on. Um, but but yeah, a great, great uh, movie. And, and they really, Australia, they didn't have to make it look really bleak and like a nuclear, like it was a post-apocalyptic world. I guess without having to do much to it because they shot it all in, in sort of like, you know, the outback and using this little tiny little towns in the middle of nowhere that all look dusty and run down there is a lot of empty uh, space there isn't there mm. yeah yeah but anyway that's Mad Max 2 uh, Wednesday the 27th of January 10pm on ITV4 then we move to next Thursday the 28th of January uh, 9pm on Sony Movies Classic Simon's final film for the week uh, another classic uh, and it is The Graduate yeah The Graduate uh, I've been watching a few things just recently which are set in this period and uh, I, I really like it uh, there's something about this sort of late 60s sort of um, period that I think is yeah the sort of style and I, I think particularly I think particularly American style I mean I know this was the sort of swinging 60s time in London Carnaby Street and the Beatles and all that but I, I think before we get I think we've become closer and closer in terms of style, I suppose, because of uh, with you know it's much more immediate that we see what's going on in America now than than would have been the case in the in the fifties and sixties. But 
everything seemed much more colourful and wide open spaces and and all of that big houses and stuff that we that we didn't have in this country. It seemed quite sort of drear and um, everything was a bit sort of grey and brown in the fifties and sixties over here. And uh, this, I've always thought, was made this sort of thing very attractive. I mean, the music was was great. This has got a Simon and Garfunkel soundtrack to it. Uh, the sounds of silence. Sound of Silence is, is I think, probably the standout one that um, people would remember. It's set in California as well, so it's always sunny and, you know, laid back and da 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 um, Yeah, and it's got some good performances. You've got uh, Dustin Hoffman, who at the time was um, really an unknown. Um, Mike Nichols directed and got an Oscar for it. Uh, the... Uh, the, the two love interests are Anne Bancroft and Catherine Ross. Catherine Ross, uh, I think, went on to be in um, Butch Cassidy, didn't she? I don't th- yes. I think this was before Butch Cassidy. Um, uh, yeah, two years before. Yeah, so, I mean, the story basically is that, that Dustin Hoffman plays um, uh, Benji, who is a young, a young lad who is seduced by an older married woman played by Anne Bancroft but then he falls in love with her daughter which makes things a bit awkward and uh, yeah but it's sort of funny and I mean Dustin Hoffman plays awkward really well I mean he's so gauche in this Um, I mean the scene where Anne Bancroft seduces him is is sort of toe curlingly funny Um, so yeah very good yeah, it's um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great film, and I I, I realised what you said about films of this era because there is something about the look of American films at this time that, that I do think that they they seem to that there seems to be something visually about them. Um, I recently saw Easy Rider for the first time, and that was I think a very similar era to this. I think that was that was also late sixties, maybe it was a year or two after this one. Um, and then uh, another one that springs to mind is Bullet, which I think came out around about the same kind of time. And and yeah, something about the the look of of, of American cinema in that time, I think, is quite quite visually mm. impressive. Uh, and and the use of music as well, like you say, there the, the Simon and Garfunkel soundtrack um, it really sort of helps tell the tale. Um, and uh, was it? I can't remember now if it was you I was talking to about this or not. But do you know the actor Sam Elliott? Sorry, do I know? It wasn't you. Do you know the actor Sam Elliott? Um, Get my Sam's mix mixed up. Um, he was in uh, he was in A Star Is Born recently. I believe he played the brother of Bradley Cooper's character. Sort of big, tall, um, Texan kind of bloke. Always looks a bit old and haggard. Oh, yeah, um, it was me you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because he was in this, apparently, and... He is married to Catherine Ross, who was in the, the, the one of the females in this. But um, but yeah, he I, I was reading that they didn't was or was it or no, it actually may not have been this film. It might have been Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid that he was in, and maybe that's where he met her. But certainly he met her and he's been married to her ever since. It might have been Butch Cassidy that he was in. That was possibly one of his first roles, I think, from something I read about him. But I was I was quite surprised because I saw a picture of him recently and I thought oh he's looking good for his age and then I thought no he's just he's always looked old so now he just he's old <laughs> yeah 
Um, anyway, that's The Graduate, 9pm on Sony Movies Classic, Thursday the 28th of January. Uh, my choice, uh, my final choice for the week on Thursday the 28th of January, 11.05pm uh, over on Film 4, is the movie Gone Girl. Uh, this is uh, based on the novel uh, by Gillian Flynn, and it's about a woman who disappears without trace on her fifth wedding anniversary. Her husband contacts the police but struggles to cope as his marriage is scrutinised by the media. As his behaviour grows stranger and more evasive, he finds himself accused of her murder. Starring Ben Affleck, Rosamund Pike and Neil Patrick Harris. Um, and uh, this, this is, um, you know, David Fincher knows how to make a good sort of thriller. Of course, he did Seven and um, he did Zodiac. And this is another film that's perhaps not quite as dark as those two, but it's still quite quite dark and you know, it, it, it presents a whole lot of characters, none of whom are particularly nice. And, and, and yeah, you, you, you just don't know as you're watching it whether Ben Affleck killed his wife or not and you're trying to work out you know she like did did he murder her did he did he bump her off and different things happen on the way and then you think yeah he did and you oh no he didn't and then oh yeah maybe he did and it's quite twisty turny i think it's you know very enjoyable yeah i mean it's a good film um i've i've seen it um it's one of those that you don't want to be saying too much about isn't it um but um yeah yeah i think it's very enjoyable I was going to go and see it in the cinema and then a friend spoiled it for me and so then I didn't bother but I'll, I'll tell you about that off air because it's very funny what he said but um, to say it on air would ruin it for anybody who wanted to see the movie but anyway that's Gone Girl that's uh, Thursday the 20th of January 11.05pm on Film 4 and that concludes our recommendations for the week so Simon uh, which would be your um, film of the week? I think it's going to be um, The Graduate well, actually, no, I'm, I'm going to take that back. Or am I? Well, I mean, I, I was going to say The Graduate, but then I'm thinking American Animals, which I think sounds really, really... really but you've not, not but seen, I've not seen it. Animals, that's why I think, I've, yeah, I'll go, I go back to what I originally said, The Graduate. Yeah. But American okay. Animals is going to be the one that I think I might try and uh, make sure I see. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, it's one to watch, I think, as, as they say. Mm. Um, I'm torn between uh, Serenity or Stardust. Uh, uh, Serenity. Yeah, that's my film of the week. Um, so, yeah, the, the all the films that we've recommended and the times that they're on and the channels that they're on, all that information's in the description of this episode right now. Uh, Simon, you're back on Sunday with another Dagman Fleet Baptist Church uh, virtual service. Is that right? I am indeed, yes. Um, thinking about the call of the disciples. Okay. So that, that'll be on uh, Sunday's, uh, Sunday's podcast episode. If you've not listened to one before... It's basically a church service where you don't have to get out of bed. You can have a listen. You, you put together some readings and some um, some songs, and and uh, you do a sermon in the middle there as well somewhere. Yeah, that's pretty. You've really got the nail on the head there. I think. There you go. So if you want if you want church in bed, that's for you. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's uh, that's the Dagenham Street Baptist Church. Uh, podcast service which uh, you can find where you found this one and the the details of how to get hold of that can also be found on our website stalbanspodcast.com simon thanks very much You're very well and um we'll catch you next week bye bye, bye.